I like the way you're dressed. Any other announcements? Good morning. Welcome. We have some visitors, so uh, visitor or old friend, why don't we stand up, shake hands, say glad to see you, and uh, if you don't know this other person you're shaking hands with, introduce yourselves. Let's give our attention to the prelude. Thank you, Tamara. That was beautiful. Good morning. Uh, my name is Marilyn Lee, and I'm the worship associate this morning. Welcome. So glad to see you all here. We have a rather special service planned for you today. And the opening words this morning are from John Behrens, who is the former president of the United the the. Unitarian Universalist <laughs> Association. I'm a little bit anxious, as you might gather. Sorry about that. Um, it's entitled, Blessed Are Those. Blessed are those who yearn for deepening more than escape, who are not afraid to grow in spirit. Blessed are those who take seriously the bonds of community, who regularly join in celebration and learning, who come as much to minister as to be ministered unto. Blessed are those who bring their children, who invite their friends to come along to join in the worship service, learning and growth. Blessed are those who support the church and its work by their regular, sustained, generous giving and who give of themselves no less than their money. Blessed are those who know that the church is often imperfect, yet rather than harbor feelings of anger or disappointment, bring their concerns and needs to the attention of the church leaders. Blessed are those who, when asked to serve, do it gladly and realize that change is brought about through human meeting who do, who do the work of communities and stay until the end. Blessed are those who speak their minds in meetings, who take and give criticism, who keep alive their sense of humor. Blessed are those who know that the work of the church is the transformation of society, who have a vision of beloved community transcending the present, and to not shrink, who do not shrink from the controversy, sacrifice, or change. Blessed are they indeed. 
It's by John Behrens. And we will light the candle with those words. We light that chalice to send light out into the world and to rekindle the light and the love within in the hearts of all of us. And now, if we could turn to hymn number 349, we gather together, and please rise in body or spirit. We'll sing both verses. We gather together in joyful thanksgiving, acclaiming creation whose bounty we share. Both sorrow and gladness find now in living. We sing a hymn of praise to the life that we bear. We gather together to join in the journey, confirming, committing our passage to be a true affirmation in joy and tribulation when bound to human care and we are free. time when we celebrate our joys and concerns. Ours is a sharing community where our joys are amplified and a caring community where our sorrows are lessened. Please take a moment to reflect on the joys and sorrows and acknowledge the mutual support of our community. A pebble released in the water sends ripples out into the world. If you would like, please come forward and put a pebble into the water in silence for your joy or your concern. And if you come up the sides and back down the middle, that usually works pretty well. this time I'd like to invite Judy Eng to come forward. I believe that she has a message for all of us. Judy is the chairperson of the stewardship uh, committee and has done an extraordinary amount of work. So Judy. Thank you and good morning. And I want to thank very much my committee who has done an extraordinary amount of work as well. Um, I just wanted to let you know yesterday we had our Canvas training. Um, for our stewardship campaign. Many of you probably received um, 
information in the mail from us uh, in those last few days. If you didn't and you would like a Canvas visit, please let me know. But I want to let you know, with just our first 20 pledges in, we had um, $79,000 pledged. And so I wanted to say, yay, thanks. We can all clap. <laughs> Woohoo! And, and the really exciting thing is, um, you know, after all these discussions and talking about our vision and our future, people really, um, I, th I think, took a good look and see, hey, here's I, this is how I want to support and what I want to support. And a uh, few people maintained their pledges, and uh, our average increase was 10%. And we even had one person who, uh, theirs was a 450% increase because they really um, talked about how they're really excited about the future and the vision, and, uh, and it's up to us to make it happen. So thank you all. Oh, also, if you're new here and you've never filled out a yellow card, uh, raise your hand and I'll get you one. Thank you, Judy. Yes, indeed, yesterday was a very, very uh, informative and fun and exciting day, our stewardship training program yesterday morning, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. At this time, uh, we would like to take the offering, and the offering is a sacrament of our free church. Our fellowship is supported by the generosity voluntarily given to all who join us. The offering will be given and received in grateful appreciation of our shared hopes and values. It is a long-standing tradition of this congregation to share half of our Sunday morning collection plate with a charity, a local charity chosen by our social justice committee. And this month, it is the Brother Francis Shelter. meditation hymn. This morning's meditation chant is based on um, a message from Gandhi, most of you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. Um, so I'll play through it once and then you can sing along with me as many times as you wish. Be the change you want to see. 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 Be the 
Reflective reading this morning are the words of Marge Piercy. To be of use. I want to be with people who submerge in the task, who go into the fields to harvest and work in a row and pass the bags along, who stand in the line and haul in their places, who are not parlor generals, field deserters, but move in a common rhythm when the food must come in or the fire be put out. The work of the world is common as mud. Botched, it smears the hands, crumbles to dust. But the thing worth doing, well done, has a shape that satisfies, clean and evident. Greek, amorphous for wine or oil. Hopi vases that hold corn are put in museums, but you know they were made to be used. The pitcher cries for water to carry, and a person for work that is real. And now we will have some moments of quiet. Our speaker this morning is Bill Klontz, and Bill is a consultant with the Unitarian Universalist Association, and he's been working very closely with the Stewardship Committee for the past year. There have been numerous teleconferences with Bill, and over this past weekend, Bill has, this weekend, Bill has been here the entire time. Uh, yesterday, he led us in a very informative um, stewardship training um, all morning that showed, that taught the people who are going to be stewards really how to do it and he's been very energetic and energized all of us on the stewardship committee and uh, has a very positive uh, regard for this organization and the direction we're going in. There's so much positive energy moving forward. Anyway, Bill is going to be our speaker this morning so please welcome Bill Klontz, and he escaped the, the Washington, D.C. area just before the big storm hit. So we're very fortunate that he's here. Good morning, everybody. I want you to know my friends from Washington all sent me an email this or a Facebook notice this morning saying, this is karma, you ran out in the snow and an earthquake got you. <laughs> So I guess it's true, you can run, but you can't hide. We've, uh, we've all worked together a lot over the last couple years. I was here last spring, and I, it was delightful to see a lot of old friends uh, come back together uh, starting Friday of this week here. Um, so a lot of new faces too, which is terrific, but it's really great to see some, some folks I saw start some really good work last year, and you're, you're just building on it. 
before we get started, uh, I want to do a little house cleaning here. I noticed some people the last couple of days looking at me kind of closely, and they noticed I've got some scars above my eyebrows, but they were too polite to ask what was going on there. So I'm going to clear that up. The, uh, the simple boring story is I was losing a little bit of peripheral vision, so an eye doc went in and made some cuts and pulled some muscles up, tied some knots, and put them together. But that's a boring story. So here's my cover story. If you ask me to define myself, the two things I think that personify me the most, I consider myself a man of science and a Unitarian Universalist. So I had a couple of adaptations made. I had a memory chip put in on this side. <laughs> Works great, have not lost my car keys since I put it in. On this side, I had the new Mark 7 Improved UU Generosity chip put in. As Soon as I got up from the table, I increased my pledge and it felt really good. So. I recommend both of those to you. Well, this is, uh, this is a stewardship Sunday, part of your annual stewardship drive, and I hope by now we all think about stewardship as kind of a year-round thing, something we do and talk all the time. But still, we have kickoffs for sort of the annual campaign to, to help us refocus and think about things, and that's what we're going to be doing today. I, I have to tell you, I've been doing stewardship work for about five years now, and it's always tricky doing a Sunday service like this. How do you have a service about stewardship and still have more than five people show up because they're afraid you're going to beat them up about their pledge? Uh, you don't want people to show up. So I thought we'd solve that problem in part today by talking not so much about your money but about somebody else's money here. Uh, I'd like to suggest a different way for some of us to think about money in church in, in the same sentence here. And I'm going to walk you through a journey somebody else did. Now, truth in advertising requires me to tell you, I'm going to talk a little bit about your pledging at the very end, but I promise, not, not very much here. This is mostly about somebody else here. What I'd like to do is share with you the story of my stewardship journey and how I wound up becoming a person who thought stewardship really is an important part of me being a Unitarian Universalist and eventually became my payback job. I thought this was important enough and something we seem to have trouble getting right. Uh, as a denomination, so I'm putting some time in it. You guys know me as a, uh, as a stewardship consultant, but that's really a fairly recent incarnation. For most of my life, I was uh, what I call a show up on Sunday Unitarian Universalist. If I thought about my stewardship or a pledge at all, it was probably when the campaign kicked off and somebody reminded me, and it was pretty much in the, oh yeah, we need to, we probably need to do that category. And I was uh, what I call a PBS pledger, give what you can when you can. Uh, it was only some years later I learned that PBS only gets 50% of their money that way. We get 85 or 90% of our money from each other, so we might need to be just a little more intentional. Some years ago, that light kind of came on for me, I guess probably about 10, 15 years ago. I, I realized I just hadn't really thought about stewardship other than ways of, of paying bills, and I realized I'd missed a really important connection to what it means to be in a community and to be a, a Unitarian Universalist. And so I kind of started restarting this thing. Um, that would only be mildly interesting as a personal story uh, if it was a singular story. But what I'm hoping, the story I'm getting ready to tell you and the benchmarks I'm going to lay out will ring a bell with some of you. We were laughing a bit this morning in the, uh, in the forum session. A finished UU is like a unicorn. I've heard of them, but I've never seen one. We're all on a journey of several different paths to become full-fledged adult Unitarian Universalists. It takes a while, and your stewardship path is one of those paths that we all walk, trying to figure out how does that relate to everything else that, that I'm doing here. I honestly think the path that I've been walking has, has made me a better person, which wasn't hard to do. There was a lot of room to grow there. Uh, but it's also made me a better UU, and it's, it's frankly enriched my life in ways I, I couldn't have thought about before I started doing this. So I'm hoping you'll see yourself on some of the same paths that, that I'm going to talk about here today. Someone once observed that once you know something, it's almost impossible to go back to ignorance or to go back to your formal position. It's hard to understand the mindset and the view of somebody who doesn't know what you know. And so I hope we all can walk out of here after this hour with a little more information and a little different mindset and feeling like, don't really want to go back to the way I was thinking about this before. And thinking about how we relate to stewardship, I, I read a, uh, a letter to the editor in a magazine a few years ago. It cracked me up. He said, people who claim they're trying to find themselves really already have. They just don't like what they found. 
I think he was on to something there. I, I realized at some point that was the kind of UU I was because I was a sort of two-dimensional UU. I was just showing up and enjoying the services on Sunday and a couple other things, but I hadn't really committed to being a part of a community that I wanted to pass on to other people here. As Unitarian Universalists, we often say the journey is every bit as important as the destination, and, and I think that's true. But, you know, sometimes you have to get where you're going, and stewardship is one of those it's worth staking out a uh, position and say, this is what I believe, this is what I think is important, and this is what I'm going to do to help support what I'm trying to do for the rest of my journeys here. So I look at this as sort of walking through an uncharted forest and finding some waypoints along the way that, for me, brought all this into focus here. And so I can honestly tell you now, long before I started doing this work, stewardship for me got to be just as important as the flaming chalice as a symbol. It meant as much as the, the seven principles. It was just part of who I was in being in community here. This all started for me uh, about 12, 14 years ago, I guess. We, we were doing our annual pledge drive. I, I had become pretty engaged in our congregation. We, we'd been members a couple, three years by then. And that was the year I started making what I call the M&M connection, the money and mission connection. Now, I don't want anybody to get disappointed because of your cover on your thing. We do have M&Ms over at the coffee hour today, so we're going to do those as well here. Um, so I, I had become involved in the congregation. I, I, I was on the board, and I'd done some things in our district and our new region here, and I'd been to my first general assembly. And I, I had just come to the realization, looking at all those moving pieces, that if I didn't connect the money and the mission together, that I was really just kind of talking a game. I, I wasn't really supporting what I said was important here. And so I, I just decided I had to get real about doing my part financially within the capabilities I had. It was great that I volunteered a lot. That gave me a lot of satisfaction and that helped the congregation a lot. But that was just one of the things I need to do. I, I learned to understand that volunteering and giving particular talents and putting some money on the table are not interchangeable pieces. They're all pieces we need to do as best we can, depending on what our capacities are. That's what it meant to be a, a fully-fledged member here. And so that year, at the suggestion of someone, I picked up that famous suggested fair share guide. Uh, you guys have got it in your mailing. It's out in your hall. Everybody's probably seen this thing by now. One of the things you might not know about this is the UUA did not create this. A congregation in Texas did about 25 years ago. And the UA liked it so much they, they adopted it. But, you know, in short, it says, you know, here's some suggested numbers you might look at. Based on what your income is and some major expenses out, here's a range you might want to consider, see how that works for you. So this guy waved at me about my third year in my congregation. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. Boy, I wonder where we are on this thing. Well, this is where I was on that thing. <laughs> I wasn't even on the sheet. I was really embarrassed, and I was doubly embarrassed because it turned out the difference between here and here really wasn't that much. On a monthly basis, it just wasn't a heck of a lot. And so for me, this little jewel became a real tool in my life as a Unitarian Universalist. We literally pull this out in my house every December, take a look at where we are, and the conversation starts, if we'd like to move up a little bit, what would that look like? Can we do that this year or not? Some years I can, some years I can't, but most years I can nudge over a little bit. But that became a tool to me to actually connected generosity is a general thing with some more specific numbers that, that I could take a look at and decide uh, if that fit for me or not. So I, I really celebrate that little guide. It was a, it was a useful thing to me, and I, I still use it today. Uh, I use it all the time here. Um, once I got to be kind of a regular pledger, and I thought it was important, I tried to grow a little bit. I, I mentioned to the forum this morning, um, I also realize small mechanical things sort of make a difference. It's really easier for the congregation if you do electronic transfers and the money automatically comes in, even if I'm on vacation or whatever. But that meant I wasn't going to be writing a check anymore, and that was the last regular check I gave up. I really liked writing that check every month. It felt like an investment. It didn't feel like I was paying a bill. It just reminded me, boy, that's my money going to work here. Uh, it was a it's a useful and pleasant thing, and I sort of miss that, even though I have gone to the, uh, the automatic deduction, because it is e easier for the church here. So somebody else once said, people that have a clear conscience are generally people with poor memories. You know what's going on here? Uh, and I realize that's kind of the way I was. I just, 
I had thought about stewardship, you know, for a couple weeks every year, and that went away. But once I started making that connection between what we said our mission and vision was and, and how I'm going to resource it, I didn't have that luxury anymore. I couldn't claim a, uh, a weak memory anymore. So I sort of pegged out about a half a dozen or so benchmarks that really got to be important to me that, con that did that M&M connection for me. And I'd like to share those with you if I could. First of all, Rose, you have to be informed to make an honest commitment. Yeah, you really have to pay attention. We're not customers or clients here. We're members. This is our house. We're going to pass it to somebody else down the, down the road here. So you do have to pay attention to what it takes to make a, a fellowship run here. I had seen the budget and the pie charts every year, but I really hadn't been paying attention. It was only after I started having this conversation with myself that I really started taking a look and said, so what does it cost to actually run this pace well? Um, I would assume as you use, we want to be good employers. What does that translate to in terms of benefits and compensation? I want to take care of the property that I've been entrusted to. What's the preventive maintenance look like? What do I want to have for a rainy day fund so I can fix the roof when it goes down? All those little pieces started to click in here, and I had to pay a little bit of attention as a member, so I understood how do I do cost-benefit connections so I understand what do we need money for and, and where is it going to go here. All that meant something here. And I came, most importantly, to realize this is not a buffet or an a la carte process. And I'll, I'll give you two examples. In my congregation, probably like yours, um, two of the biggest categories of investment are religious education and the music program. You buy copyrighted sheet music, so the, the artists who did the work get their compensation for it. You have lesson plans and materials you need to do for RE. I don't have any kids, and it's looking pretty unlikely that like, I'm going to do that at this point, and the world should be grateful for that. There's enough, one of me is enough here. Um, and if you've ever heard me sing in public, I want to apologize right now for the pain and suffering that I may have caused you here. I'm never going to be in the choir. Makes not a bit of difference. I want my congregation to have those capabilities. There are things that say, this is part of being a community. This is what we do to come together to celebrate being together. The fact that I don't participate in that particular program doesn't make a bit of difference to me. I want us to have them, and I want to be quality programs, and I want to be run by people that are well compensated. So if that's where my pledge is going, that's great. I'm not interested in doing a la carte stuff that says, don't want to give to the whole, but I'll you know, underwrite a check for this thing that I like or that thing I I think of my congregation as a ship on the sea now. Uh, I could be having a great time on the Lido deck, but if the boat's leaking, that deck is not going to do very well. So I want the whole enterprise to do well, and I want the things that are important to everybody to be doing well, including the things that, that I really enjoy doing here. So it, it was sort of a different way to, to think about how you might want to look at uh, how to look at the money goes here. By the way, the choir director once did mention to me if they ever start a kazoo section, he'd give me a call, but otherwise, <laughs> I, I probably, probably pretty safe here. Um, second one, I, I realized I, I thought I had been treating my pledge as something of a priority, but I realized I was actually treating it as a priority in my discretionary spending. And let, let me kind of walk you through what I mean by that, because I'm trying to connect back to my, my core beliefs here. Most of us look at the money that we invest or spend as going to one of three places. Just imagine you have a desk at home and you have three boxes on that desk. And one of them is the, I got to do this. I got to do it on time. I got to do the right amount or some terrible thing is going to happen. My car is going to get repossessed. My kid's going to get kicked out of college. I'll lose my insurance. Box number one. Box number two, this is important but I got some flexibility on timing and amounts on a given year or a given month. I have a five-year-old and that child's gonna go to college in some number of years. So I need to be putting something toward that every month or every year, but you know, it'll, it'll vary a little bit. Box number three is the discretionary spending. What am I gonna do with what's left? Am I going to Disneyland this year? Am I gonna buy an earthquake survival book because I need to pay attention to that? Um, I go buy a fur coat or a leather coat or a nylon coat this year. It's, you know, what's left over and what are we going to do with it? And I realized I never really thought about my pledge until the pledge drive came up. And so by definition, it was in box three. I was talking about what was left over. And so we started having that conversation. Says, no, that's at least a box two.
probably a box one. And so that's the first thing we settle when we sit down in December and start looking at the budget for next year and putting the taxes together. The first thing we decide is what's going to go in our pledge this year. Then we'll go to everything else. And it changes how we, uh, how we thought about what we thought we could do, quite frankly. Um, so moving us from that box three or box C into, into box A was one of those things that, that, that came out to me as being kind of important. Third, I've always been kind of interested in finance. I'm not a big financial whiz, but hey, I like looking at investment strategies and philosophies, and I realized I was not a value investor. Pretty important term in, in financial sectors here, but as a Unitarian Universalist, that takes on a little different meaning here. And what I'm talking about, I have spent a lot of time over the years telling a lot of people, I'm a Unitarian Universalist writ large, and I'm a member of this congregation because this is where my values get exercised. There's no other community I hang out or spend time in where all of my important values are represented and carried out day after day, week after week. And yet for the longest kind of time, you hear me say that, and you look at my pledge and say, something's not right here. Which one of these is not a true statement? And I just literally had not made the connection that if this really is where all my values are represented, where I think I can do the most good in the world, how come I was doing this over here? So I worked hard to move these two a little bit closer together and really be a value investor in, in the sense of saying, this represents my values in my community and in the world here. So is that important? Anybody read a newspaper lately? Anybody looked around the world? Could we possibly use a few more Unitarian Universalists in public office? Would the seven principles be a handy thing to guide some of our domestic and international policies? I think we're not visible enough and we're not large enough, and a lot of that's because we don't put together the resources to tell our story and encourage people to take a look at who we are. So I thought that was important once I thought about it, and I wanted my money to do that, not only to help my congregation run well, I wanted to challenge Boston and my regional guys, get out there and tell our stories. Do the things that I can't do as an individual congregation. I give you the charge, I give you the money, go do that. So that's part of what my pledge goes here. Um, secondly, I, I found, and I'll bet this rings a bell with a lot of people here, I found that I was given a little bit of money to a lot of charities. It's a joke in my house, if we're sitting watching TV, and that SPCA thing where the shivering dog comes in. <laughs> My wife takes remotes and changes the channel or she knows we're gonna be out 19 bucks a month again here. <laughs> Do that kind of thing here. We realized that we were doing a lot of charitable giving in very small amounts to good causes, but basically on an emotional appeal and not enough to make a difference here. For the average charity, I'd be giving them 50 or 100 bucks and they'd spend 400 bucks over the next two years sending me mailing to get more that I knew was not gonna come. And I realized I was kind of being selfish. I was making small contributions that made me feel good, got me a tote bag or a sticker on my car, um, but didn't really accomplish a heck of a lot. And so I, I never denigrate anybody's philosophy of, of giving or where you wanna give, but it caused us to take a really hard look, say, where could we really make a difference here? Should we be considering doing fewer charities? And should we roll some of that into the charity, if you will, we know that is really gonna do what we'd like for it to do. I can write a church check on Friday and go around Sunday and see it going to work right there. By the end of the week, I, I know it's already working up at the UUA. That's a nice return on investment. I didn't have anything else that I thought, I, I thought did that. And again, um, programs that maybe I'm not participating in, but things like adult RE and adult enrichment, uh, music programs, Man, that's really, those are great values. Those are things that just make a community that I think are, are really important to do here. Uh, and I want to empower all congregations to do that, and I want the National Association to be able to do that. When a really important issue comes up, like marriage equality or immigration reform, and you're seeing our leaders standing on the steps of the Capitol and, and places around the world with, with other leaders, or frankly, much larger congregations, but carrying some weight, that's you and I talking. That's our money that made that possible. Anybody familiar with the Moral Monday marches um, in North Carolina? Great program, started by the NAACP down there. They, they will tell you, I spent about three months a year in North Carolina. They'll tell you, they carry a lot of that movement on the back of Unitarian Universalists. 
who show up for the marches, who do the hard work, who visit the legislature. You can see pictures of those rallies when they do it when the legislature is in session, and you see seas of yellow shirts out there standing on the side of love, Unitarian Universalist. We can do that because we've got a handful of people that we pay not a heck of a lot of money to make sure we all know when these things are happening, help coordinate transportation, help set up meetings, and make sure we do what I call fighting above our weight. We actually carry uh, more weight than, than you might expect. I shared with the, uh, the folks yesterday that I actually was on the uh, Supreme Court Plaza when they announced the marriage equality uh, decision. Our folks in Washington, 1.5 persons, we have a couple three-quarter time people up there who keep track of legislative and judicial calendars, had gotten the word pretty late in the week that they were gonna do the announcement, like I think it was on Monday, it was like Thursday afternoon that decision was made and announced. These folks sent out blasts of emails and physically called every congregation within about a three hour drive and said, Monday's the day. Sea of yellow shirts, you would have thought we were the biggest denomination in America, it's just great. I have a friend who's a, a United Church of Christ minister and he asked, did you guys have a birth boom or something? <laughs> Just everywhere. That's your money and my money at work. And that's saying, this is what we stand for. Really good stuff here. So I, I'm glad to put my money in to do that sort of thing here. Fourth, I realize that no matter how long I've been in a congregation or what congregation it is, I'm in the middle of a human chain uh, that stretches over time. My congregation is about 60 years old. I, I never met a lot of the people that founded, uh, but I'm, I'm eternally grateful for what they did. I inherited what they built. So now it's my turn, and I'm not an owner, I'm just a steward. My job is to enjoy it, enrich it, and leave it in the better shape if I can to the people that are coming that I don't even know yet. I'm gonna pass my congregation to people that aren't even born yet. That's kind of a comforting thought, but that means we gotta take care. I don't want the next generation to spend all their time worrying about deferred maintenance or trying to get enough for decent salaries because we all deferred it on our watch and it came to rest on them. I want them to concentrate on the important stuff. So I'm gonna do my share while I'm here so they can concentrate on being UUs and not try to be the maintenance people or whatever else that comes in here. Item number five. And I get this a lot as a stewardship consultant. People say, good grief, does the asking never stop? I am happy to tell you, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't stop. And you ought to be careful of a congregation you join that doesn't constantly ask to put time, talent, and treasure, because that means you've got a live congregation that's doing important work. If we're not being asked to contribute, we must just be treading water. And I'm telling you, it's not a lake out there, it's a river. If you're not paddling, you're going downstream here. So I like the, the fact that my congregation, Every time we get together, somebody's asking for some time and asking for some money. Sometimes I can contribute one or the other, sometimes I can't, but whether I can or not, beside the point. I want them to ask, because it's important. If I can show up, I will. It's a healthy place that says, we need people for the following things and we'd like to have some money for the following things. That's a good thing here, so don't ask for the asking to quit, quit happening. Encourage them to keep doing it. And thanks again to the people who actually do that work, who don't mind asking for our time and talent and organizing us and come to see us as visiting stewards here. Sixth, I, I came to realize in a really important way we're, we're not in this search alone. Got to be a very popular phrase a few years ago. People would say, um, I'm spiritual but not religious. And you still hear that a bit. And frankly, I used to be one of those folks and I realized, yeah, it's probably not good enough. Spiritual is I really enjoy walking in a forest or being on a beach, and that's true, I do that. Religious means I want to do some of that in community. Doesn't mean I worship anything in particular. I'm probably the least worshipful guy that will ever stand behind this pulpit here. But I like being together with like-minded souls, people who are on the same kind of search I am, and see what we can share with each other and learn from each other. That's really important. But there's a practical side to that. I need a place to do that. I need some facilities to make that happen. I need some staff to help us do that. So we're not in this alone, but it means we all gotta show up in, in this way too and make the rest of that rest of that happen. And that gets written on a larger scale too. It goes back to the UUA and the region. There are things I want those folks to do that I can't do alone that 
help this movement. I want new congregations to get started. I want satellite yoke congregations to get started. I want community groups to get UUA support. None of that happens if I don't put something in the pot. I, I own that responsibility here. And in the Frank, I'm glad some of my money does that. All right, well, that's, that's my guidepost. That's a long list of things to be looking at already, and I, I don't want to give you any more. But over time, those are the points that got to be important to me as a member of my congregation and being a member of the Unitarian Universalist movement. I still have a hard time calling it religion. I still call it a movement. But whatever you call it, this is us, and I think this is important work, and it's worth our, our time and trouble here. Uh, I'd like to share with you sort of in closing uh, an all-new Bible parable. I wrote my own parable to explain the relationship of money to a, a congregation and what we're trying to do as a movement here. So whether you're an atheist, agnostic believer, just suspend it for a couple minutes and bear with me here. And let's assume there's a God. And God has started creating the universe and started creating the world. And she wakes up on the third day, and we know it's the third day because the sun got done a couple days ago, and decides, I think I'll make the human race today. This would be a good day to do humanity. Let's see, what am I looking at here? Now, I did dinosaurs already, did insects, so I think I'll put them sort of in the middle size-wise. So they're not going to be the biggest and the strongest, so I'll set them up in pretty short order on cosmic scale. They'll learn how to walk on their hind legs, and they can look over the grass and see where the threats are. I'm going to give them two eyes, two ears, and one mouth to see if they can figure out what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> I'm going to give them an opposable thumb on each hand so the male of the species can control the remote when that gets invented because that's really going to be important to them. <laughs> going to do all those things that you and I think about. This is a human being. And right at the last minute, God says, I think I'm going to leave blood out. Blood is messy. Nobody likes to talk about it makes people uncomfortable. I'm not going to put any blood in this one. So what do you get? You get a mannequin. It looks like a person. It's got all the appendages. It's got the basic structure, but it can't do anything. That's a congregation without enough resources to do what you said is important to you as a congregation. Like it or not, money is part of the blood that runs through the system that says all those things we said are important. Okay, let's go do them. That's the life force. And frankly, it should be a little bit of a squeeze to give something in it because this is important. Easy stuff doesn't stick with us. It's not important. I'm like most other long-term use, kind of like being a marathon runner. For years, I gave because I sort of thought I needed to and I should. And at some point, I passed through that and I gave because I wanted to. Best thing I do with my money now. I, I really like it. And so that was the M&M connection. I literally can't think about mission without thinking about money or vice versa. And I love the fact that we have a, a group of faith here that says we ask everybody to give what you can of time, talent, and treasure, and whatever that is you can give, that's the right amount. We don't just honor the big givers, just like we don't honor, only honor the people who can volunteer lots and lots. We recognize we all bring different things to the table, but bring them to the table we must, or, or we're just passing through here. A fellow by the name of Sidney Wolf once wrote, great phrase I like. He said, going to church wouldn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> I think it's the same thing for us as you use. Coming to church on Sunday doesn't really make me a Unitarian Universalist. Volunteering, contributing, standing up for our values, trying to make the world a better place as an individual and a part of a community, that's what makes me a Unitarian Universalist. Uh, my own values now say, I don't want to be going to church without doing the M&M dance here. So when you go out for the break this afternoon, go have some M&Ms and think about that connection with the Lord and, and make, that, make that connection yourself. That's, that's kind of my story, uh, and I, I hope it resonates with some of you here. I think this UU stuff is important. I think the world needs what we bring. I think we need to be humble about this. It's not like we've got the only answer, but I think we have the answer for a lot of people. And I think if we just get down to it, we can have a bigger impact in our communities. We can have a bigger impact in the world. There can be a lot more of us. Last quote I got here from W.B. Du Bois, now is the accepted time, not tomorrow, not some more convenient season. It's today our best work can be done and not some future day or future year. It's today we fit ourselves for the greater usefulness of tomorrow. Today is the seed time. Now are the hours of work and tomorrow 
comes to harvest and playtime. So I hope you'll join me this year particularly because you guys are doing some great things. I just I've loved watching this congregation over the last year, year and a half. It, you're really moving in some great directions here. I want you to leave here saying this is my fellowship. This is my international movement. These are my values. This is where I'm going to put my money and my muscle and my heart and soul. I'm going to make some stuff happen. I think you're up to it, and I think you're going to do that. I thank you for all that, that you've done already. I just invite you that when you leave here, don't be a bean counter. Be a planter. Let's get it going here. <laughs> and so with that, uh, I thank you. May it be so. Why don't we uh, take a musical break here, if we would. I invite you to join us in singing hymn 128. And at the end of that, I'm going to ask you to take a seat, unless you're a visiting steward. In that case, I'm going to ask you to come forward and face the, the group here. And I'm going to step back so you won't hear me sing. <laughs> We may have to do this on a cappella, folks. <laughs> Hang on a second. You may be checking for earthquake damage here. I think we all pretty well know this one. Should we give it a, give it a shot here? We'll do uh, two verses. Saved by the, this could have been ugly. <laughs> All right, two verses of covenant with you. We're going to do something a little different to kind of for the end piece here today. Just to help you with yep, there we go. Yeah. One of the things I like to ask congregations I work with is to take just a minute to kind of do a covenant with each other. Think about this now. These are some of your friends and neighbors. We had about 30 people yesterday take part in the covenant. We've got some more folks coming in. These are your friends and neighbors you said, well, yes, I'll go to some of my friends' house and ask them for money. <laughs> Not an easy thing to do. Uh, but hopefully you're going to find that the experience that some of us talked about in the forum this morning, you're going to have good, meaningful conversations and build some friendships. And on the way to doing that, you're going to raise some needed funds for the, for the fellowship as well. So you've all got an insert here. And what I'd like to ask you to do is to take a bit of a covenant here. Let's take turns looking at our respective hearts here. We're going to bond with each other for a bit for the process of Stewards are going to start here.
I think we have some time if, if uh, there are some questions, comments. Um, I'm sure Bill would ha be happy to have a conversation about that. I see a hand up in front here. <laughs> well, uh, thank you, um, Bill, for for these these great words. I I just wanted to tell the congregation. Really, this is more of a comment than a question. I I've been doing this um, for ten or eleven years. I'm really not sure, and uh, as as many of you know, there are several right here in the room that I met by contacting you and um, meeting in a coffee shop, and we have a great conversation about Unitarianism. And as you know, I, I hope you'll back me up here, I haven't beat anybody up over the money deal. <laughs> you give me the form and I can't tell you how much I appreciate what you do. Uh, so please respond when people, I don't know exactly, I don't remember who the names are I'm going to call, but there's a big posse of UUs out there that's going to be calling around. So please respond. You'll have a, a good time. And many of the people I talk to are now my friends. It's great fun. So um, enjoy this process, please. Um, like many people, I thought I was fairly well dialed in on the stewardship thing, but I think I've been really clicked into a lot better clarity about it, so thank you. Hello, I'm Denise, and some of you already know that I'm um, kind of in charge of membership and hospitality here. And um, I was fortunate to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Bill on Friday when he came to town. And um, I was so energized by that because I feel strongly that um, membership and stewardship kind of go hand in hand. He gave me some great ideas. Um, our congregation kind of needs to put some vigor into the whole membership process. And so I'm looking forward to maybe some changes in that area. And I welcome any of you who are looking for a committee to serve on or a new way to get involved to come and see me and talk to me about that. And in the future, we can look forward to some more, um, a better process for handling membership. Thank you. This morning, I asked uh, a question for Bill about, uh, as he had been talking about, how to engage our friends or associates or family to maybe check out uh, the fellowship. And I mentioned, you know, sometimes that's rather awkward, not knowing how to invite the fellow when you know the wife is maybe engaged in another uh, type of denomination or, or how to bring it up. And he gave uh, a fairly good um, except, you know, uh, example of that. I think we're short on time. Would you mind sharing uh, for some of us, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of your tips for approaching people we might think or, or expanding our horizon to think about folks we would like to have as part of the fellowship? Just real quickly, a couple of things we, we, we talked about. Uh, two ways I found are really very helpful to get people in. To the extent you're involved in the community, we talked about you have a lot of people that do social justice sometimes as individuals, but, but not always as members of the congregation. To the extent you can show up in public places, wearing one of those yellow shirts, wearing one of these pins, somebody's gonna ask, what is that? Who are you guys? And it's a chance to sort of explain a little bit about who we are and say, you know, if that sounds interesting to you, why don't you just come by and check us out here a bit. For friends and, and relations, I, I, I shared a story. We, we had uh, a, a new uh, family in our neighborhood 
moved in a couple years ago, about a year or so ago. We thought we'd probably really enjoy our congregation. They had no UU background, but it just seemed like a good fit. So we kind of waited for a time. We looked for a weekend where we thought the program would be interesting for the adults, and we knew they had a good, solid program for the kids. And we just said, you know, we got a program coming up next week. Uh, it just seemed like we thought you guys might enjoy it. We're, nobody's going to proselytize. I'm not trying to make you a UU, but it's a really nice community. We, we thought you might enjoy the program. I, would you like to come with us? We'll just take you up and introduce you, and you can decide if you want to come back again or not. But we, it just seemed like a good fit. We'd like to introduce you to a couple of folks. And, and so they came up. They're regular contributing visitors now. I think they're about to sign the book, and both their kids are enrolled in RRE. Just because we said, I'm not trying to, I'm, I promise you, I'm not going to say, have you heard the good news about Unitarian Universalism? I was going to say, we've got a really exciting, interesting community that thinks both your head and your heart are important, and we've got a program coming up I thought you might enjoy. Just like to invite you and join you and introduce you to a couple of people. About all it takes here, but people are always a little leery when they invite you to their church, say, I'm inviting you to my community. happens to be a church, but I think there'll be some pieces you like. Anyone else? We have probably have time for maybe one more. Uh, Doug in the back. Uh, so unfortunately, I've been in and out of the room a lot because I'm dealing with a crisis in one of the villages that you'll probably see in the paper in the next day or two. But So I'm not sure what all has been said and not said, but I just want to add my two cents, whether it's repeat or not repeat. Um, most of you know me. I've been here a long time in a lot of different positions in the fellowship. And I just want to celebrate the journey of the last five years or so of this congregation because I think it's phenomenal. And I just want to remind us all of that. So about five years ago, a, a, a whole bunch of us got together and decided to have a whole new level of intentionality about where we were going. And you may remember, I think it's four years ago, there was this like five-year strategic plan that we put out, and it had a bunch of milestones and a bunch of things we wanted to accomplish and it also challenged the fellowship to increase by 50 percent the amount of sustainable revenue to run the operation of the fellowship and we're now at kind of the end of that this is kind of officially the end of that strategic plan time and we've accomplished 95 percent of what was on that paper and what we said we were going to do pledges are up Pledges jumped almost 50% that next year because people said there's a plan, we can see what we're buying, this is what we're doing. And we're kind of now at the point of redefining that. What's next? What's sort of the next big jump? And some of that's on the posters and stuff that have been presented and some of it will tie into some of the strategic planning and there's been talk of a you know, capital campaign, which you hear more about in the coming months and it will tie to all of that sort of what's our next big sort of threshold we're trying to get to. But I'd just like to list off some of that stuff. So we were up literally about 50% from where we were four or five years ago in sustainable budgeted planning. That allowed us to start to have a music program and to give Tamara, it'd be nice to give her a lot more, but to give her at least some payment for what she's doing and for Eric and the youth program uh, to move to really sustainable um, funding for a minister position and uh, as Gary reminds us, he's not here forever, so that's going to be in the next few years something we have to come up against again. And having sustained that for years puts us in a great place to chase really good people, moving the DLRE to full time, having more administrative support in the office, and the big one, moving into a larger, more capable facility with great RE space and all of that. was all just a dream just not that long ago, and we weren't sure how we'd financially sustain it. Now, of course, no talk of money and changing and program expansion in this facility would be complete without also saying we were extremely fortunate that Louise Gallup gave an extremely generous bequest in her will uh, that made a lot of it um, uh, happen a lot more. And I, I'm not sure, well, I'd just say that that was just an incredible thing for her to do that made a big difference in what we could do as a congregation. But I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate that we said five years ago, here's where we want to be. And we are like 95% completed on that uh, checklist, and that is absolutely phenomenal. But it also means we're kind of, we got to sort of set the next um, list in the ground for kind of five years from now, where do we exactly want to be and start to push towards those goals. But I want to just celebrate us. I think we're fantastic as a community and doing amazing stuff. Thank you. And we did it then, and we can do it again. 
our closing words this morning are by Dr. Reverend Dr. Michael Schuler, who is the minister of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Madison, Wisconsin. We have reached the end of this time for the gathering of memory and for letting the imagination play with future possibilities. We have enjoyed magic moments and edified each other. Shall it be concluded then? Is this ending to be an ending or merely a prelude to new, more glorious beginnings? number one, four, 414. Yeah, but you don't need your books. Why don't we rise and join hands and we'll sing as we leave this friendly place. As we leave this friendly place, love give light to every face. May the kindness which we learn light our hearts till we return. Have a great Sunday. Don't forget to get some soup.